Luke chapter 21, verse 34, the Word of God says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfighting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. And let's pray. Lord, thanks for the truth. We do look forward to the second coming, and we know that Christ uh, is going to come, return, fulfill all of his promises. We're grateful for that. And we look for the Savior, as the Scripture tells us to. But Lord, we ask that you'd also teach us this important truth uh, contained in this verse uh, about the subject at hand. And Lord, that we would learn the, the satanic tricks of Satan when it comes to spiritual warfare so we can fight against them. Open the eyes of our understanding and protect us from the evil one. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The context here the, of the verse we read is about the second coming. <clears throat> and we don't have a lot of time to get into the second coming. The second coming of Christ is in two parts. First, he comes for his own uh, in the rapture. And then he comes with his own. Uh, at the end of of uh, the tribulation to set all things right and judge <clears throat> evil. But the thing I want to show you here in this verse is, after giving this powerful truth about the coming of the Lord, uh, verse 34, he says, And take heed to yourselves. Be careful. Watch yourselves. Keep an eye out. Why? Because some of you may get so distracted that that day comes upon you without even realizing it, unawares. The day sneaks up on you. You get so distracted with the things of this life that you're not even ready for the Lord to come back. And I want to use this verse here just as a kind of a launching point to talk about the seventh satanic tool of spiritual warfare and that is distraction. Distraction. Satan is the master distractor. He works to steal our attention away from God and God's work. And he's always been good at this tactic. If he can't get you to doubt, if he can't get you to deny, if he can't uh, use the devils against you, if he can't cause discord, if he can't all the other things we've talked about, a tool that Satan has relied upon for thousands of years is this idea of distraction. Distracting people from what truly matters. And this still works today. We learn in Webster's 1820 Dictionary that distraction uh, is simply the act of distraction, a drawing apart or a separation. So distraction is to draw someone's attention away from what truly matters. So my attention should be here, but there's something over there that keeps getting my attention, and I keep, I keep trying to, and then finally I'm just over here. Now I'm distracted because I'm not paying attention to what we should be doing. Uh, we learn in the trades, I was a, a professional floor installer, and then had a remodeling company. We did everything uh, from roof to uh, floor, anything in between. And uh, 
one thing you learn in the trades is that it, when you get distracted, that's when you get hurt. All right, that's when you're, you're tired, you're overtired, you're messing with the nail gun. And I've been there whenever I've seen a guy shoot a 16-penny nail through the end of his finger because he wasn't paying attention, right? Uh, I knew a guy who was chopping wood, and he got too tired, and he said, I knew I should have stopped, but he got too tired, and he took one more swing. He just wanted to cut a few more logs. He took one more swing, and the axe bounced off the log and came and hit him right across the lower leg and just gashed open his lower leg to the bone because he wasn't paying attention. He was too tired. Uh, I've seen guys with chunks taken out of their fingers because they get distracted while they're using a table saw. My grandpa on my, my stepdad's stepdad, <coughs> he cut fingers off of his hand at least twice, and I think three times, but at least twice. He had a big wood shop. He worked for Shekimak State Park, and he had a wood shop there, and he had a wood shop at home. At least twice, he cut appendages off of his hand, and they would just sew them back on, and that finger would be a little bit dead, <laughs> you know, and then another time, he'd cut another one off, and then that finger, he had a couple dead fingers on his hand, and I think there was a third time where he almost got a, chopped off another one, but missed all the, the good stuff, you know, and uh, what happens? You get distracted. I've got a scar right here from a chisel back when I was probably 8 to 10 years old building a Pinewood Derby car. Sharp one-inch chisel, not paying attention. Hey, what are you thinking? And I still got a scar here all these years later. Uh, accidents, driving your car. The number one reason why people have accidents is distracted driving. You're on the phone, putting on your makeup eating a bagel, you know, messing around with the kids behind you. Uh, just one of my family members recently had an accident, rear-ended somebody because the kids in the back seat were fighting, and he turned around just for a second to try to get them to stop fighting and turned back around just in time to hit somebody in the rear end. Distracted driving. Uh, I literally have seen people drive down the road, and they're not even, like, looking at the they're just looking at their phone while they're driving. And it's like you see two angels on either side of the vehicle kind of keeping it straight like uh, so that they don't kill somebody. Uh, but distracted driving is one of the biggest reasons for accidents. Distraction is a big problem. Uh, marriages begin to struggle. Why? Because a spouse gets distracted. Maybe they get distracted by work itself. And they just dive into work so they begin to ignore their spouse. Maybe they get distracted by the children and they're pouring themselves so much into the children and the home that distracting, distracted and not, not taking care of the husband. Maybe it's distracted by somebody else at work or by some neighbor and you begin to have your attention taken away from your spouse. Distraction kills everything. And it's dangerous. It happens every day whenever we get negative. Think about how often we complain about things and we get, we get locked in these negative loops 
of man, my life's so terrible, and then my life's so terrible, and this happened, and this happened. <clears throat> we are distracted from all the blessings by the bad things. And the truth is, if you're an American Christian, we have a lot more to thank God for than to worry about. And if you don't think that, just go to any other country on the planet. And you'll find out that we've got it pretty good here. Uh, not, not even counting all the Christian blessings. But what happens? We get distracted from the blessings by the negatives. And so Satan is the master distractor. He's always been good at this. And if he can't get you to sin, if he can't get you to, to doubt, if he can't get you to deny the faith, if he can't get you to sow discord and, and, and begin to get involved in all these squabbles and all the other things he does, if he, can't, if he can't make you question your faith by just taking the things that you think you need and the things you deserve, then what works almost every time is simple distraction. Hey, look over there. And we all look over there. And now we're not paying attention to what truly needs attention. Another definition of distraction is confusion from a multiplicity of objects crowding on the mind and calling the attention different ways. Uh, so in, today, in today's world, it's never been easier to be distracted. We live in the information age, don't we? There is literally too much information for us to process. But we'll try. I remember, you know, we joke about it. If you're, if you're over 40, I mean, you remember before they had cell phones. And you'd leave the house and people couldn't call you. What'd they do? They'd leave a message. And you'd actually, like, leave the house and have these moments of solitary bliss, you know, driving around, not being bothered, uh, going to the store, not being bothered. You know, but now you drive around and your phone's ding, 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 you know, and it's like, what's, what's going on? You go to the store and you're trying to, to pick out vegetables and all oh, the kids are doing this and this happened. Oh, the stock price this and oh, Russia's doing this and North Korea's doing this. And it's, that's why I recommend that you turn off all of the notifications on your phone except for your ringer and give the people that you love a special ringer so you know who they are without ever looking at your phone. But I mean, if you've, got, if you've got Walmart telling you what the next sale is and this thing bumping and beep, buzzing and beeping and everything in this world is trying to steal your attention and distract you from what truly matters. And in this age, it's easier than ever for Satan to distract God's people. Think about the 24-hour news cycle. You know, there was a day in America where you turned on the news at 6 o'clock and that was about it. And then the TV turned off. Hey, I, I know it's like the Stone Ages. The TV went off at like 10 o'clock at night. It was like static. There was nothing. But nowadays, it's breaking news 24 hours a day. I think about computers. You know, there was a day when you wanted to learn something, you'd have to, like, go to the library. <laughs> you know, there's, well, you ask your mom. Or you had a dictionary. You had a set of encyclopedias in the house. And my mom was famous for... Go look it up in the dictionary or go look it up in the encyclopedia. And, but now it's, we have all this information at our fingertips, but we, we don't know what to do with it all. We can't process it all. Cell phones, you're literally carrying a computer with you. And now it's got microphones and cameras and 
internet and, and all of these things. And it's got games on it. You know, used to, if you wanted to play a game, you'd have to, like, sit down, get out a board game, play a game, get out, like, the Uno cards. And nowadays, you're, I mean, you're sitting in line. If you have, like, 2.3 seconds of downtime, you're, like, grabbing your phone, like, what, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because we're addicted to these distractions. The internet, phone calls. Used to, you just got phone calls from people who knew your number. Now you get phone calls from random people about everything. Text messages. I mean, people today are literally too lazy to pick up the phone and speak. It's like, (laughs) I called this person one time, this young person, and their voicemail was, it's not 1980, text me. You know, and it's like, beep! It's like, you know, but that's, why are you calling me when you can... Why are you calling me when you can text me? And texting has its place. It's a very efficient way to communicate, but it's now just all the time. Now rather than calling someone because you have something to say and you have something to talk about, it's just ding, 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 and people are having like 30-minute conversations of hi. Ding. Hi. Ding. What's up? Ding. Nothing. Ding. I mean, you're just like going for like... 30 minutes like this. It's, or it could be like, hey, what's up? Nothing. You need anything? No. Okay, bye. You know, and we, we, have, we have complicated things. The rings and the dings fight for our attention all day long. And don't even get me started on social media. Something that should be used and could be used for God. And if you have it, I think you ought to try to use it for God and bring God glory and, and for family use and all that. But man, social media has basically become a glory farm where people are just trying to bring themselves glory. And let me just encourage you, when you get discouraged because you're going on Instagram and and social media and everybody's life looks awesome and, man, their relationships are great, man, look at their house and look at their car and look at them smiling and, man, they look so fit, they're not taking pictures of their worst days. They're taking pictures of their best days or their best moments. Their life could absolutely be terrible, but you wouldn't know it because they take a picture outside with the sun behind them. It's like, oh, man, look at them. They're at the beach. Yeah, they're at the beach because they're getting a divorce because their, their wife can't stand them and their kids hate them. But, man, they took a good selfie. And we get this idea that we are trying to live up to fake people's lives or people's, real people's fake lives. You've got to be careful of all that. And it's just one more thing to do. So I just say all this to say... Satan has been the master distractor before computers, before internet, before cell phones, before social media, before televisions, before radios, before movies, before vehicles, before everything else, before all of the technology that makes distraction easier, Satan successfully distracted the people of the world from God's will. And now he's got this superpower using all this technology. We have to be careful. Right? So let me give you just a few areas tonight of ways that we can get distracted. Look at your text verse here. Uh, and take heed to yourselves, Luke 21, 34, and take heed to yourselves. Be careful, why? Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unaware. There's some interesting words here. So the word overcharged means to be burdened 
or weighed down. It's like a cup that is overfilled and spilling over. It's like a truck that is carrying a load way too heavy for then it's rated. I remember one time I was doing a deck and I had an old uh, 1990s Ford F-250 Super Duty. Man, I loaded that back of that thing with so much green wood for a deck. I'm going down the road like this. You know, the hitch is like that far off the ground. I'm driving like this. And I get out of the car and I'm like, I get to the job site and I get out of the car. I'm like, well, that probably wasn't too smart, <laughs> you know. So we unload it. And I'm like looking to see if I broke some leaf springs or this or that. But sometimes things just get too heavy. But the, the interesting thing about this word is it's not just got the idea of being, being overcharged. It has the idea of being burdened or weighed down by sin, specifically. So think about this. In the beginning, sin is fun. But eventually, that sin becomes a burden. Eventually, it's cool to stand out there and smoke the cigarette. Man, looking cool, getting that nice, fuzzy, warm feeling. And then now you're paying $10, $12 a pack. Can't taste your food. Can't seem to live without them. You start to run low, and you get jittery, and you get shaky, and you get, oh, what am I going to do? i got to have this... Oh, it's a burden, friend. Boy, that first pull of that joint, that, man, it's just made me feel so good. And now you can't live without it. Oh, I can quit any time. That's what they always say. I can quit any time. Boy, that, that, first, that first shoot up of, of hard drugs, that first pop of those pills, man, it just made me feel so good. It becomes a burden. see these meth addicts literally scratching the skin off their face, peeling the skin off their arms, because it's not fun anymore. You see people in detox and rehab because they've lost their families and their houses and their cars and their jobs because they can't stay away from the bottle. It's not fun anymore. And see, sin's fun for a season, but then if you're not careful, that sin can get a hold of you and you'll become overcharged. You'll become burdened, overflowing with the burden of sin. And we know a lot of people like that. But it's a warning. So number one, we can be distracted by sin. Because sin is fun for a season, it's an easy sell. Sin's popular. Sin looks good. You know, they, they, they make the casinos look so awesome, but they don't show you the people who go home and they've blown all the money and they can't buy diapers for their kids. We get phone calls, hey, can you buy diapers and formula for my kids this week? Do you have a job? I do. What, what happened? You get into it a little bit. I, I went to the casino and blew all my money. I can't believe I did it, but I did it, and it's not the first time. Can you buy my child diapers? That's not fun anymore, folks. And the list goes on and on. So sin's fun at first, the bright lights, the excitement, but then it gets a hold of you. And then this interesting word, surfeiting. It means excess to the point of sickness or disgust. Have you ever seen a dessert? And maybe, man, it looks so good in that first bite, man, you can't. 
you just can't believe how good it tastes. Every your palate just goes on fire, and your brain is like, "This is awesome," but then you eat too much, and now you're just like, Ugh. or maybe you sit at a meal and it's wonderful, but then you push away from that meal and you're like disgusted by the food left on the plate because you ate way too much. And surfeiting is this idea that it's excess. It's gluttony to the point of being disgusted by food. It's drinking to the point of being disgusted by drink and yourself. It's partying to the point of being disgusted by the partying that you just took place in. You're disgusted at yourself. You're disgusted at the activity. And then you go seek it again. That's what Proverbs talks about with alcohol. And so... Understand that sin is intoxicating. It is riveting at first, but then it's bondage. And sin is an easy distraction to get us away from what we are supposed to be doing. Drunkenness in this text, we understand that drunkenness means intoxicated. In Scripture, drunkenness can be intoxication by alcohol, alcoholic beverage. It can be intoxication by some form of drug, it can be intoxication by pleasure. But basically the idea of drunkenness is you are no longer thinking clearly because of this thing you've introduced into your life. And how many people do we know that, man, they get involved in sin and they're just not thinking straight anymore? All they can think about is immorality. All they can think about is partying. All they can think about is what they want. All they can think about, they are drunk they are intoxicated with the sin of this world. And those people, they don't read their Bible. They don't pray. They don't go to church. They don't tell people about Jesus. They don't bring glory to God. Why? Because they are distracted by sin. You see how this works? Or Satan's the master distractor. Number two, distracted by sweat. Look at this verse, Luke 21, 34, and take no heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, oh, and look at this phrase, and cares of this life. So this is just everyday living, folks. Nothing sinful about the cares of this life. I mean, we have to live. There's nothing sinful about it unless it distracts us from what we should be doing or what's more important. You know, we all have to work to bring in money. That's the way of the world. You got to work. You got to clean the house. You got to mow the lawn. You got to maintain the property, pay the bills, get the groceries, run the budget, go to the doctor, take care of the kids, do the school, all of these other, these little things in life. There's nothing wrong with them. But what happens is we get distracted and we don't, or we neglect the most important things to just take care of the cares of this life. A dear man who I love, his testimony says this. He felt like he should go soul winning for a long time, but he worked during the week, and he had a big lawn to take care of. And every time the Lord would convict him to go soul winning or to go visiting or be involved on Saturday, he'd say, no, i got to take care of my lawn. That was his day to mow. That was his day to trim the bushes and take care of the flowers and all of these things. But he told the Lord, one of these days when I retire, then I'll be able to take care of the lawn and go soul winning. And so that's what he did. He waited till he retired. 
then he could take care of the lawn and go soul winning. But he's told me many times, he said, I can't believe I waited until I retired to go soul winning faithfully because of my lawn. Now, for years, it made perfect sense. I mean, I got to do it. I can't, just, I can't just let things take over. But now by his own admission, he's told me many times, and I've heard him tell other people many times, I can't believe I waited until I retired to consistently tell people about Jesus because of my lawn. And this is what happens. One of these days, we're going to see the excuses we use about why we don't do what we should be doing. We're going to see them as just folly. I didn't read my Bible every day. Why? I, I, I didn't go to church. Why? I didn't tell anybody about Jesus. Why? It's going to look so foolish. And I have to make sure you understand, it's right to work. It's right to take care of your family. It's right to clean the house and take care of the lawn and pay the bills. This isn't a, a point against those things. It's just simply saying we organize our lives to take care of the cares of this life while we're still focusing on the most important things. Amen? So we could be distracted by sin. We could be distracted by sweat. Number three, we could be distracted by self. What about this verse? 2 Timothy 3.2 For men shall be lovers of them their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. This is the mark of the last days. The last days are defined by people putting themselves first. And here, folks, there's just an awful lot of people that they're distracted by trying to do what they want to do. Well, why don't you do such and so? I don't want to. Oh. How many of you did something this week that was right to do, but you really didn't feel like doing it? Yeah. Welcome to life. Right? But there are people who are totally consumed with doing what they want, when they want, why they want, how they want, for as long as they want. They'll quit at the drop of a hat. They can't be counted on. It's all about them. And if they're not getting the glory, if they're not getting the fulfillment of self, they don't want to be involved. And as I said this morning, the Christian life is a life of self-denial and sacrifice. Philippians chapter 2, let's look at it quickly. Philippians chapter 2, great verses to mark and memorize. Some people are distracted by self. They think that the whole world should revolve around them. They're lovers of their own selves. But look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife. What's strife? Fighting for your way or vainglory. What's vainglory? You trying to get the glory. But in lowliness of mind or humility, let each esteem other better than themselves. What's this? Think about other people more than yourself. Prioritize the needs of others above your own. Well, who's going to get the last piece? You will. Oh, you don't want it? Oh, I want it, but you can have it. Who's going to do the hard job? I will. Oh, you want to do the hard job? Not really, but I'll do it. You prioritize the other person first. Then look at verse 4. 
Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It's not about how I'm doing, it's about how you're doing. What do you need? I tell men and husbands, I wish you'd listen to me every day, look at your wife and say, how can I make your life easier today? How can I help you today? And after she picks herself up off the floor from passing out, <laughs> do it. And every wife should look at their husband and say, how can I help you today? How can I help you get done what you need to get done? You don't understand. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. Yeah, it's all about you. We can't get distracted with ourselves. We've got to follow the example of Christ. We could be distracted by sin, distracted by sweat, the cares of this life, distracted by self. Look at 1 John chapter 2. This one, just to keep the alliteration going, we could be distracted by sport. What is that? Amusement. First John, <clears throat> the world offers a lot of amusements, a lot of things to take our attention, our affections off of the things of the Lord. First John chapter 2, and again, verses to be marked and memorized. Verse 15, love not the world neither the things that are in the world. So when the Bible is talking about the world, it's talking about the world system. We spoke about that a few weeks ago on, on uh, Wednesday night. God so loved the world, that's the inhabitants of the world, but God is against the world in some ways. That's the world system. The world system is built to draw us away from Christ and to keep us blinded. We're not supposed to love that world. It's a literally, it's a Disneyland of spiritual distractions, this thing called the world. The things in the world. So love not the world, the world system, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What's he saying? You cannot love this world system and love God. You can't do it. You've got to love one or the other. Why? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. So see, the Bible says that this world system is built to distract the flesh, the lust of the flesh, to, to get my fleshly lust enticed so that I will go after those things and get distracted from God. Then the lust of the eyes. There's a lot of things I want. So the lust of the flesh is the sinful desire to do. I want to do things that God says I shouldn't do, but the world is enticing me to do them. The lust of the eyes is I want to have things or possess things that God doesn't want me to have. And the pride of life is I want to be things that God doesn't want me to be. Imagine this. So the entire world system is built 
to draw us away from what matters most. And we have to say, I'm not only gonna, I'm only, not, only not gonna fall for that, I don't love you, world. I don't want you, world system. I reject the lust of the flesh. I reject the lust of the eyes. I reject the pride of life. If God doesn't want me to have it, I don't want to have it. If God doesn't want me to do it, I don't want to do it. If God doesn't want me to be it, I don't want to be it. Self-denial. And we keep ourselves from being distracted. The word amusement comes from two main words. The word muse means to think. The prefix a means not or no. So amusement is literally no thinkment. It's, I want to stop thinking. I just want to stop thinking. And so we go to, to Disney World, or we go to Six Flags. And by the way, I'm not against those things in the right time, in the right way, and all of that. But it's an escape. The problem is we can't escape the very God who's chasing us and pursuing us. We can't escape the will of God. We can't escape the work of God. And I want to encourage you that whenever you're struggling, what you need is you don't need to escape into a movie. You don't need to escape into binge watching. You don't, you don't need to escape into a different geographical location. What you need to do is run to God. And you can do that anywhere. So think about amusements. Boy, the, the movies and the, the television and the music, there's a reason why they call this programming. Because when you, something happens in your brain, when, when we turn on a show, a certain part of our brain stops being engaged and we sit back and become a participant. And now they are putting before us what they want us to think and believe. TV programming. That's why if you go way back to the, the beginning of the movies, they came up with the rating system because lost people said, we understand that these movies are going to be powerful and we've got to make sure we don't put bad things in front of people. But now they've changed that and they're constantly lowering the ratings to get more and more filth to younger and younger people. And nowadays, it's not uncommon, the most popular kids for teenagers on television today, they will have just random sleeping around among teenagers. They may not show it, but it's, it's in the storyline. They will have gay and lesbian characters where they are loved and accepted and treated as normal. They will have a godless society. They'll have the, the, the witchcraft and, and all of these other things because they are pumping this into our children. Do you know the same the company that owns Nickelodeon is the same company that owns MTV? Do you know that 20 years ago they made a, a concerted effort to start playing more music on Nickelodeon to easily transition the children into MTV? And it's worked. You say, well, what's wrong with MTV? Well, I don't have enough time tonight. But these people, they, they are preaching a message. And what happens is we go, we get distracted by the sport, by the amusement. And I'm not saying that there are shows that are appropriate. There are movies that, that are, are nice and, and helpful. But my friend, you don't want to wade through the sewer 
to find the occasional diamonds, you got to be careful. Be careful. The music we listen to, the mo- most music on the radio today preaches self-worship and sensuality. At the best, the best of the music, the worldly music today, is self-worship and sensuality. I can't even describe what the worst of it talks about. One of the teenagers mentioned uh, uh, last year, I was spending some time with some of the teens that come to church occasionally, and they mentioned a, a song that I'd never heard of by someone i never heard of, and I went to look it up, and I literally, my eyes filled with tears. That they would see things like this and hear things like this and have these things running through their brain. It's devastating. And we wonder why the world's a mess it is. And so we can get distracted by sport. Let me show you this last one. Uh, Luke chapter 10. Satan's the master distractor. We can't fall for it. Luke chapter 10. We find in verses 38 through 42, a little story stuck in here about Mary and Martha and Jesus. And number five, we learn that we can be distracted by service. Yes, sometimes we can even be doing good things but distracted from more important things. Let's read the story here. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he, Christ, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me alone, left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me, or make her help me. Verse 41, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful or worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. So you see the story, it's self-explanatory. Christ is there. Some are listening to Christ. Mary's running around serving, serving, being a good hostess. Or Martha's running around being a good hostess. But where's Mary? Mary's at the feet of Jesus. And Mary gets frustrated. Or Martha gets frustrated. Lord, make her get up and help me. I'm doing this all myself. And what did the Lord say? One thing is needful. And she's chosen the good part. No, Martha, she's doing the right thing. Martha, put your tray down. Come over here and sit. Be with me. And folks, there's nothing that is more important than spending time in personal worship and communication with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to be busy. We're a busy church. I want you to have a ministry. I want you to serve. I want you to take good care of your families. I want you to work. I want you to pay your bills. All of those things. But listen, if you're doing all those things and you didn't spend any time with Jesus this week personally, I mean you and him, 
then you're distracted by the very act of serving the one who you're neglecting. We've had people in the past get so busy serving in ministries at our church that they're never in church. I mean, they're at the property three times a week, but they're never in a service. We've literally had people be here every service and get backslidden because they were never in church. And that's why we try to limit how many times somebody can be in the nursery. And that's why it's so important that people help. And, and if you're working in junior church or Sunday school or this, we try to make sure that as much as you're serving, you're getting a, a you're in church more than you're out of church. Why? Because we need to be with Christ. And I know when you got little babies and your schedule's not your own and work is this and the bills and the house and all of this stuff, if you're so busy working that you neglect the Christ you're serving, and sometimes you just got to stop. And you just got to get at the feet of Jesus. Because that's the one thing that's truly needful. What did we say this morning? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. When you get overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, run to Jesus. And he'll help you sort it all out. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the truth. We ask that you would give us your wisdom tonight. So easy to get distracted. Forgive me for getting distracted at time. Our churches can get distracted. People, Lord, forgive us for falling for this so simple trick. And Lord, that you'd help us to do all that's required of us, but at the same time, pay attention to the most important things in life and not neglect them.